David Darren. We're the fellas that give you the Top 5 Things podcast. And those Top 5 Things are things that happen on our morning show on Planet 93.9, the Quad Cities Real Alternative Radio. Excited to share what we got done. It's like we're showing our work here, Darren. Showing our work on the Top 5 Things Well, how'd you come up with that? I just did. Show your work. It's brought to you by Nature's Treatment of Illinois Tech Drive in Milan and West Main Street in Galesburg. Milan's open every day. Galesburg is open weekdays and Saturdays. Nature's Treatment offers a wide selection of products for recreational use, including flower, vapes, and edibles. Sign up for the newsletter and connect with Nature's Treatment on Twitter and Instagram. Here we go. It's our first uh, thing on the top five things. Number one. Number one. 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 Number one. You know, Moline is offering businesses that have been affected, bars and restaurants that have been affected by the pandemic and the new restrictions. If you abide by the restrictions, they'll offer you up to, what is it, $5,000? Is it Moline or is that Rock Island County? I thought it was just the city of Moline. Is it just, is it just Moline? Yeah, yeah. Uh, to that end, uh, is Hotel Moline going to uh, submit an application? <laughs> it hasn't. Uh, I think there might be some new zoning rules and that mm. sort of thing. Mm. It hasn't been operating as a, a, a typical hotel as of late. Hotel Moline, a, a home that your family has in Moline mm-hmm. that was your grandparents, right? Yes. And now it's 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 now uh, home to um, one of my nieces. Terrific. Yes. So it stayed in the family. It is still in the family. For yes. a while before your niece moved in, it was kind of a, a treehouse for us. It was. We, where we that would was go. Our, it was our treehouse. Yeah. That we, was the other. That was the other nickname. Treehouse. We would go there and watch bear games, or maybe after work go have a couple of beverages there. And you called it Hotel Moline. That's right. It was, it was a place that you would go, and every once in a while you would have to uh, stay on the couch because you know it was the the smart and safe decision to make. Rather than you know, you would you would go for the night. It, it got going. its name after Hotel Rockford, which hmm. is where I stayed for a couple of years in early two thousand. Right, you were on the radio in Rockford for a time, uh-huh. and then you lived in an was it an apartment? It was an apartment, but it got the name Hotel Rockford. Right, because you would come home on weekends. Yes, excellent. There's a story from New Mexico. Of a 27 uh, young lady, uh, 27 year old young lady, who uh, was picked up in Jacksonville, Florida. Grandpa had a lake house, and she was very interested in that lake house. And authorities allege that uh, Candy Joe Webb, 27 years old, killed her grandpa and then dumped his body in a trash pit because. She wanted that lake house. 83-year-old A.J. Harden's body found stuffed in a toolbox. In a toolbox? Dumped into a trash pit behind a Fort Sumner, New Mexico house. New Mexico State Police say they believe the body laid there since August. That's when Grandpa disappeared. I remember vividly. The day you kids had that baby, and everyone was making such a big deal out of it. Oh, well, let's go see baby Candy Joe. I saw a look in those murderous eyes, (laughs) (laughs) and I knew everybody wanted to make such a big deal, and everybody 
Got a big... Oh, I want to be a murder baby! And everyone wanted to... Was having such a good time calling me Grandpa. <laughs> they said, you want to hold the baby? I said, no. that baby's going to grow up, murder me, and stuff me in a toolbox. Just watch. I hate to be right about this. Everybody have a good time today. Candy Joe Webb, they found her. Now, she, this, this crime is alleged to have happened again in Fort Sumner, New Mexico. Cops picked her up in Jacksonville, Florida, after she went on the run because the cops became suspicious of the story that she had that her missing grandfather was living in a nursing home. And what was a real tip-off for the cops was the fact that the nursing home that Candy Joe said Grandpa went to yeah. was complete fiction. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Oh yeah, no, he's at uh, Shady Pines. No, that's 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 fake. It's not real. Friends noticed that Harden went missing. Candy Joe Webb told investigators that her grandfather had moved away to a nursing home in Texas. She then later changed her story, giving the name of a retirement home that again does not exist. Yeah, he's over there at uh, Stellar Elders. She then would tell people that Grandpa died in his sleep. But she allegedly told her boyfriend that she killed Grandpa by giving him a Xanax and then an Ambien after he had asked her to do it. The boyfriend, who was quite happy to flip on Candy Joe... Yeah, no kidding. You're going to tell a boyfriend? ...told detectives that Webb had been receiving money from Harden and that he believed that she killed him to gain control of the lake house. Grandpa's body found in a pit in the backyard of the house where Webb had once lived. Harden grew up in Fort Sumner, New Mexico, served in the Navy, got married, became a truck driver. In his later years, he and his wife ran a hamburger sandwich stand. Nice. What did Grandpa always say? Cherish the lake house. (laughs) There's money in the hamburger stand. (laughs) Oh, boy. Webb arrested by the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office after fleeing to Florida... She is now uh, being held pending extradition to New Mexico. She's facing first-degree murder charges along with charges of tampering with evidence. And I suppose someone else has uh, possession of the lake house. Yeah, I don't know that anyone Maybe a different family member. Not quite so murderous. God, I love that place. Stuffing him in a toolbox. Oh, I would kill Kill to own that place. Literally, Grandpa. <laughs> you, specifically. I mean it. Can I get you something to eat? Like uh, like can... some pills? As long as I'm up, what's your poison? Boy, that's a... I, I mean that literally. Uh, oh, well, thank you, kids. Uh, it's Christmas, and uh, well, it's, uh, what did you get me? Oh, a toolbox you got me, huh? Well, it's a big toolbox. <laughs> You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Very sturdy. Got a fantastic lock on it. <laughs> Grandpa just so happy that, but then immediately suspicious. Uh, of not, not really. The size not, of the toolbox. Don't box. really need a boy. Industrial. How many tools you kids think I have? Boy, it's a pretty big toolbox yeah. for someone who just owns a hamburger stand. <laughs> oh, you know, you can put uh, your condiments in there and such. Jesus, how many condiments you think there are? Goodness, that's the size of a coffin. 
quick. Give him uh, the pills. Get, He's starting to put two and two together. Get him the pills. <laughs> the old man's starting to put two and two together. God, I love this lake house. <laughs> two. 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 I saw this on social media, and I immediately assumed it was nonsense. And, and doing a little bit of digging around, it, it, it may not be nonsense. It's just something that I was not aware of. Native American Zodiac. So there's the Zodiac that we use that's based on what? Like the Greeks, right? Mm-hmm. The Native Americans also had a Zodiac. Okay. Were you aware of that? Uh, no. Are you further aware of what your Native American Zodiac sign You'd would be, be? Like my spirit animal? Well, I don't know that that's what that is. Uh, it, there's like an animal totem, I think. I don't know if that means it's your spirit animal. Now... How would that work? You're born on December the 29th. So in the Native American Zodiac sign. Here, I'll go through the uh, calendar year. Uh, If you're born, let's see. Well, you would be uh, December 22nd to January 19th. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're a goose. Mm. And a silly goose at that, Darren. Uh, January 20th to February 18th is the otter. February 19th to March 20th is the wolf. March 21st to April 19th would be the Falcon. April 20th. We did it for the show. April 20th to May 20th is the Beaver. May 21st to June 20th is the Deer. Uh, June 21st to July 21st is the Woodpecker. An instigator. (laughs) If Woody had gone right to the police, this would never have happened. What are you, some sort of instigator? <laughs> July 22nd to August 21st is the salmon. August 22nd to September 21st is the bear. September 22nd to October 22nd is the raven. Now, is that you? I'm a raven. You're the raven? I'm so raven. You are so raven. <laughs> October 23rd to November 22nd is the snake. And then November 23rd to December 21st is the owl. Those are the... I don't know if I'm thrilled with the goose. No? No no offense, goose. Yeah, well, because they're such silly birds or... I don't understand. I I mean, raven's obviously cooler than a a goose, right? Going around goosing people. (laughs) Get yourself... But did, get yourself slapped. Does this line up exactly with where the zodiac signs up? This this seems like something that some white person made up, and it's not real. This this idea of Native American zodiac, like it just seems. Native American animal symbols can encompass just about all the animals and their symbolic representation of the many tribes of the Americas. To narrow down the focus a bit, uh, the the. Zodiac is devoted to birth animals or zodiac animals. Many Native American cultures have the belief that a person is assigned an animal upon the time of birth. And that's the thing with so many different tribes. I don't know that there's like a uniform. There's no way this is uniform. You want to know a little bit more about being a goose, though? Yeah. It says here, Darren, if you put any stock in this, if you want something done, give it to the goose. Give it to the goose. Persevering, dogged, and ambitious to a fault. The goose sets goals for accomplishment and always obtains them. What's it say about leisure? The goose is determined to succeed at all costs. 
not for the approval of others, but for those within his Native American symbol, uh, competes with his own internal foe. Driven is the watchword for the goose's dominating personality trait. Oh, I think we can all agree on that. (laughs) That you're driven? (laughs) Driven to leisure. Yeah, my friend, you have a lot of fine qualities. I don't know that I would describe you as a particularly driven person. Uh, It says that people like you, you, uh, you geese, are excellent in business and competitive sports. When tempered with support and trivial pursuit, (laughs) nurturing family and friends, the goose excels in all things he attempts. In a loving environment, the goose can be very passionate, humorous, gregarious, and even sensual. (laughs) I suppose that's true. However, left to their own devices... The goose can fall into obsessive or addictive behaviors hmm. that will eventually be his demise. <laughs> wow. Well, it's you got to go sometime. <laughs> I am uh, the raven. Yeah. It says of me. So raven. I'm so raven. <laughs> it's so raven. From now on, whenever I do something, I'm just going to blame my Native American Zodiac. Sign. I know we are craving the raven. Give it to us. Highly enthusiastic and a natural entrepreneur, the crow, or raven, is quite a charmer. But he doesn't have to work at being charming. It comes easily. I will say right now, I would like to stop reading this, because this is 100% accurate. (laughs) I'm nervous about reading more. Uh Uh-huh. Because... So far, for me, you think it's spot on at this point. Absolutely, yes. I don't even have to try. Everyone recognizes the raven's easy energy... And everyone turns to the raven for his ideas and opinions. Boy, they're batting a thousand here on me. This is because the raven is both idealistic and diplomatic and quite ingenious. In nurturing environments, this Native American animal symbol is easygoing, can be romantic, and soft-spoken. Oh my gosh. It's it's like they're reading my mind. I'll (laughs) idealistic Mm -hmm. to the point of... uh... It could get him in trouble. (laughs) Further, it says the raven can be quite patient and intuitive in relationships. Left to his own devices, the crow can be demanding, inconsistent, vindictive, and abrasive. Well, I don't like that. So the raven turns into the crow? Well, it's the same thing. Okay. According to to this, the raven and the crow. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I didn't know this. Again... This seems suspicious to me that they would have a Zodiac, that Native Americans would have a a Zodiac that lines up almost exactly with the Zodiac from, right? Well, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to quote the Raven nevermore. (laughs) (laughs) Raven people are highly clairvoyant and see real magic in all things. Though indecisive, Raven's love, once gifted, is the truest of loves. On this turn of the medicine wheel, Raven's lesson is to gain a more balanced emotional life. Boy, that's me to a T. These Native Americans, they, they get me. The snow goose, however, the uh, the goose that you are there. Oh, it's a snow goose. Well, now it's a snow goose. Snow goose. Uh, snow goose people are seekers of spiritual enlightenment at the highest levels. Though stoic, a goose's love belongs to no other than a true twin flame. 
twin spin. On this turn of the medicine wheel, your lesson is to trust that flying outside the formation is okay. I, I had I had no idea this was a thing. So I'm a Libra and I'm a crow or a raven. And you're what? Capricorn goose. A Capricorn goose. So you're either a ram or a goose. And I'm either a a raven or a scale. Hmm. I, I I didn't know this was a thing. I'm highly skeptical that it is a thing. But there's sure in the Chinese uh calendar. Yeah, right. What are you? Am I a dragon? Enter the dragon? I'm I know I'm a rat. I'm the year of the rat. Year of the rat. Yeah. Yeah, and that goes by uh, the year you were born. You are not Year of the Dragon, buddy. What, am I the rat, too? You would have had to have been born... Uh, yeah, because it doesn't line up exactly with our calendar. I'm the so rat. So the, the Year of the Dragon didn't start until... F- oh, no, wait. No, you are a dragon. No, you absolutely are. I'm sorry. I misread this. You absolutely are a dragon. Okay. Yeah. Uh, born between February 64 and February 65. Yeah, yes, that's, that's you, all me. right. Yeah. All right, so... You are a, uh, it says that you're one of your, uh, your best uh, match for like balance, people mm-hmm. that you should do business with, mm-hmm. monkeys and rats. Hmm. How about that? So uh, according to the Chinese Zodiac there, we, uh, you and I are uh, simpatico. For me. And. Yeah. Okay, because you're a rat. Uh-huh. And spanks a monkey. <laughs> it all comes together. So this was like written in the stars. You know, I, I really, there, there's times when we get done doing the show, I believe that to be the case. Number three. 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 Guy reunited with his lost class ring 40 years later. This happened in uh, Quebec. Quebec? Quebec. What do you say? Which, how do you say it? Quebec. I think they say Quebec. Let them. It's their problem. All right, so this Quebec man finds a class ring while he's out metal detecting in an athletic field and was able to return the item to its owner. Again, he lost this class ring 40 years ago. Stephen Ambrose said he was out metal detecting in the green spaces of Montreal's Verdun Borough. He's been doing this forever. Recently, he was practicing his hobby of metal detecting at a local athletic field, and that's where he unearthed a Verdun High School graduation ring. You're just allowed on school grounds? <laughs> yeah, I guess. He says, this ring that I found was a silver men's ring, and it was fairly deep, so I knew it hadn't been lost uh, recently. The ring was encarved with an, uh, engraved, I should say, with the initials. C-E-W. Members of a Facebook page for Verdun High School alumni were able to identify the ring's likely owner, Kurt Edward Wakeling. Wakeling says, I got a phone call from a girl I went to school with, and she said, Kurt, did you lose your grad ring? Yeah, 40 years ago. He says he lost it. And I don't care. He says he lost it the summer... After his senior year. Yeah, I'm over it. He said he knew the ring had fallen off of his finger, but he had never been sure of exactly where he had lost it. 
He says, by the way, uh, in the last 40 years, his hand has grown up. And the ring in only... A, in a lot of ways. The... <laughs> seen some stuff. <laughs> he says R- that... Rough stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he says that the, 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 the ring only fits on one pinky right now. Quote, the other fingers don't have a chance. If someone was to get a hold of you and say, hey, I found your class ring. Uh-huh. So what? Keep it. It's a weird what I... tradition, right? The class ring. Because it's really only something that makes sense to wear when you're in high school, right? If even then. And even then, yeah. Yeah, it's, I don't quite get it. What's the point? There isn't one. He says, it's not about the ring per se. It's the memories. It took me back 40 years. Although I shouldn't say that Rhonda's uh, brother yeah. and his wife own a uh, a Justin's franchise. You were talking about that. That's some sort of part of the Justin's empire yeah, in the uh, Pacific Northwest, right? Idaho. Oh well, even better. Yeah, they're the uh, Justin. They're the Idaho Justin uh, king and queen. Go Justin. Go Justin. So kids still buy class rings in 2020. They must. They don't wear Letterman jackets anymore. You notice that? I the jackets where you, you sew the numbers no, I, on the I, pocket? I, I, I know what a Letterman jacket is. I guess I just haven't been to a high school in quite well, some Well, you time. see high school kids about. Do I? Where would I see high school kids? Yeah, when you're out walking around. You've never noticed that kids don't wear those jackets anymore? They don't only wear the jackets at high school, Darren. Jackets, by their very nature, are meant to be worn outside. That's what a jacket does. You know what? I haven't noticed it, but I'll keep my eye open for it. You'll just you never see them. Those do, are do done. they not even sell those anymore? I don't think they do. I don't. Or if they do, I I don't know who's buying them. Temples used to be the place that you would go get your Letterman jacket, and then you get your jacket, and then you get like your patch for cross country or whatever, right? Or, or not being on cross country. <laughs> yeah. Here's my yeah. patch for not participating in this particular sport. I got my patches for speech team. My parents have somewhere. My letter for for uh, being on the speech team. Mm. And it was like, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, because those jackets were like, those were like two hundred bucks. They were probably a thirty couple years hundred ago. Bucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, no, I got the patch. I'm good. What am I gonna do? I'm, walk around with this for a year? Call me patches. <laughs> patches. A New Hampshire man's class ring recently returned to him after it was lost for an even longer period of time. That was 53 years. Yeah, I mean, I get it if it's like a wedding ring or something, mm-hmm. but a class ring? It does seem weird. I mean, wouldn't most people just say, "I'm we're done talking now. You can, <laughs> you can keep the ring if you want. It's none it's, of my business. It's not that big a deal. Kathy Rowell of Barrington, New Hampshire, said her husband, Steve, lost his Spalding high school class ring in 1967. Spalding, get your foot off the boat! Now, you know who wears a class ring, though? I do know this. Amazing Larry, right? Yes, yes. But he wears a college class ring. From Northwestern State. Which is interesting because he's never set foot on campus. No, he got it at a garage sale. So, 
He's got a class ring, and he found a cla- Was it a class ring that he found when he was playing? No, he found a wedding ring. It was a wedding ring that he found when he was playing Little League. Yes, right field. And that wasn't a metal detector thing. That was just rather than watch the game that he was participating in, he was looking at the, at the he, ground. He was just kicking the ground. Yeah. Steve in uh, Barrington, uh, New Hampshire, lost his Spalding High School class ring in 67 when it slipped off his finger while he was skipping stones with his brothers. The pond that they were skipping stones in recently became partially drained because of the drought. And that led uh, Rowell to enlist the help of neighbors to search for her husband's long-lost ring. They always knew that the class ring was in that pond, and it had driven them crazy. And then when the pond dried up, it was like, this is our chance. A neighbor with a metal detector able to find the ring in the muck. Larry's class ring comes from Northwestern State University of Mm -hmm. Louisiana. (laughs) A a public university. Um, 82% acceptance rate. Okay. 40% graduation rate. (laughs) And... Larry's not helping. <laughs> he walks around, so, go demons. We're not talking about Harvard here. <laughs> we're not talking about Stanford. Larry's walking around with my Harvard ring. Like, oh, sure, he went to Harvard. Yale man. Hey, that pond you lost your ring in back in 67, it's drying up. You know what we must do, dear? Enlist the help of the neighbors. Surely someone's got a metal detector. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, this is my dream. To uh I know it. To eventually All become the... one of these metal detector but people. But you just you you wouldn't just go out onto a high school football field, would you? Yeah, of course I would. That's allowed? Well, I mean, I think if you ask permission, then they're going to say anything you find belongs to the college. Wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to do it in Bettendorf. Oh, I think it would make a lot of sense. It's a turf field. Yeah. You're like, you're like, wait, you're not taking your metal detector to a turf field. No, like maybe the area. artificial turf field? Maybe the area behind. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm a ways away from doing it. That... North, Northwestern State University, you know what their, their claim to fame is? What? That was the place that uh, Jim Croce did his last concert oh. and then got on a plane. Huh. Yeah. And that didn't work out so well for Jim Croce. He had just got done doing a, uh, a concert there in 73 at Northwestern State in Louisiana. Gotcha. And then they threw him on a plane, and uh, it's possible uh, that was Jim Croce's ring. But Larry is. It's possible. Flew into a bunch of pecan trees. <laughs> four. 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 There's a Reddit thread that we enjoy reading every once in a while. Uh, and, and the name of the thread I can't really read on the air, but it's basically am I being the jerk here? Uh, although they use the word they substitute for uh, jerk is, is the word that's the problematic word. You can figure out what I'm talking about. And if, if you need me to... Uh, point you in the right direction. Uh, we're taking texts at 470-23-NOTSHOW. A-T-A-I-T-A. Am I the... And you get it. Uh, these are people who are wondering if the behavior that they themselves are exhibiting uh-huh. is problematic. I think that's 
pretty healthy, you know? I think genuinely people that are jerks don't think about whether or not their behavior is jerky. They're just that way. But to, to take a moment and go, I'm acting this way. Am I the bad guy? Am I in the wrong? I think that's more often than not, these stories are that you're not being the jerk because I don't think jerks have it in them to take stock and say, well, this this might be hurting people's feelings in a way that isn't cool. And they don't care. And they don't care. I've got three of these that I wanted to kind of share with you. They're, they're pretty lengthy, so I'm going to do my best to give you the cliff notes, all right? Uh, we begin with this one. Am I the jerk for not letting my niece host her wedding at my castle? 28 years ago, my wife and I combined our savings, most of which came from inheritance after my father's passing and bought our castle, in quotes, in Southern Europe. It's actually a derelict farmhouse with some land, but it has a small turret. So our family's always referred to it as the castle. My wife and I decided we'd rather have a small basic house in our home country and focus our time and resources readying the castle for us to retire in and for our children to enjoy. It took years, but around the time our eldest son was born, it was finally finished. It's not massive. Five bedrooms and a small pool in the gardens. But it's our paradise. I think it's hilarious that five bedrooms they don't think is massive. We've always allowed our families and friends to use it whenever they please and have spent every summer vacation staying there with our children. Our only stipulation when people stay there is that the master bedroom is off limits. It takes up most of the third floor with the remaining bedrooms on the second floor. A lot of my wife and my belongings are in there. And it's also the room we've shared together for over 20 years. Recently, my niece got engaged and held an engagement party on Zoom. When asked what ideas she'd had for where they were going to have the wedding, she excitedly told me they'd actually been planning to ask us if they could hold the wedding at the castle. I was a bit taken aback, but I didn't want to outright refuse. I joke it would have to be a rather small wedding mm -hmm. since they would struggle to fit more than 25 people in the garden. She gushed that she'd already thought it through and they'd put up canopies in the field nearby, which, by the way, is land we do not own. <laughs> okay. And if all the guests stayed in hotels in the town, she would arrange for transport for us all to get to the villa. My wife and I bit our tongues, not wanting to make a fuss during their engagement celebration. Mm -hmm. But later, when my niece texted me to repeat what she said, I asked her to clarify the sleeping arrangements. And after some back and forth, it came to light that she plans to use the master bedroom as the bridal suite. <laughs> and for the wedding party to have all of the remaining rooms. My wife and children and I would have to stay somewhere else. Uh-huh. I slept on my decision and spoke with my wife. On Sunday, I responded and politely refused, saying it's too small and we're not comfortable having anyone in our and room. And she wants to spend her wedding night mm -hmm. in your bedroom? Yes. Okay. Both she and my sister blew up at me, telling me I was ruining her wedding and that she'd always dreamed of getting married at the castle. My sister even said that since I used my inheritance to buy it, it's family property, which is obviously ridiculous. So, uh, saying, listen, this is, again, his niece, not his daughter, mm -hmm. wanting to use his house, yeah. his castle in another country. Uh, is he being the jerk for saying, no, I'm not okay with this? I think this one could go either way, couldn't it? Kind of? I mean, is, is it that big a deal? 
I mean, I don't know about any weddings going on right now, quite frankly. I might be putting the foot down on everything. <laughs> right. So. Well, but, I imagine that if they're just getting engaged now, the wedding's not happening anytime soon. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It says here, um, like a little bit of an update. We texted her and offered her a compromise. You cannot use our master bedroom. Yeah. And you're going to have to get permission and insurances to use those fields. Yeah. Because it's not our land. And you need to reduce your guest count to 25. And we'll host a small rehearsal as well for you. Well, there you go. And she rejected all okay. of those offers. And that's when they said, you know what, then it's off the table. You're not getting. Problem solved. You're not getting the castle. You had an option. So you would have gone either way on that one. I, I, it's your niece. I know. It's, but does, you need to be in my bedroom. Not that I have anything in my bedroom that's that precious, but... Well, it sounds like they loan it out to family all the time, but the deal is stay out of that Yeah, third. and everyone knows that. Yeah, right, right. How about this one? Am I the jerk for leaving my new coworker to figure things out after she reported me for giving advice? I have No. No. I don't need any more. No. No. <laughs> I have a new coworker. I'll hang you out to dry. <laughs> Oh, you don't need my advice, huh? Yeah. And a new coworker too. It is pretty rare that you can figure out the answer no. just in the title of the question. No, you're fine. I have a new coworker, Steph, who started working here in early October. We work in an apartment of less than 20 people, and our manager is Steve. Steph is new to an office environment and has never worked in our field before. There's some pretty obvious gaps in her knowledge. And Steve, the manager, asked me if I could help her out mm -hmm. just until she's got a handle on everything, and I agreed. She's mostly trained now, but regularly still asks me for help. Steph has been reporting our coworkers to Steve for minor issues, ranging from discussing the election to a coworker receiving a call from her son while at her desk, which technically they shouldn't be doing, but there's not many people in this office, and we're not very uptight about these kinds of things. So as long as everyone gets their work done and no one acts like a jerk... You know, Steve has gone through the procedure every time. And while he's never said it was Steph, everyone's figured out that she's the one knocking us out. And it's annoyed them because meetings take up free time where they could be doing other stuff. She's even reported Steve to himself. <laughs> hey, uh, so somebody's doing this. <laughs> Steph has noticed that she's not making friends. And after two weeks, she asked me why. I tried playing it off, but she insisted she wanted to know. And I responded, you know, you're a little quick to report stuff that isn't really an issue. And while I didn't want to discourage her from reporting in the future, her reporting minor things could put the others in the office off a little bit. She just nodded and went back to work. And reported me for what I said. <laughs> yep. That's exactly it, Darren. Manager Steve called me in the next day saying someone had said that I told them not to report anything. Mm. I told him what happened and it was all fine. I then asked Steve if, if I had to continue helping this Steph after this. And he told me I should do what I felt was best. There you go. So now I'm just not helping her. She's asked me for help more than once in the last few days. And I've just told her, look, I'm busy. Steph has noticed my sudden withdrawal from her. She stopped me after work and asked why I've stopped helping her. And I said, look, I got my own work to do. She then said something about how I'm doing this to make her feel bad, that it's not working. 
And also, I'm I, what I'm doing is screwing everyone else over because she can't complete her work either. And I'll have to do it for her or everyone else will eventually hit a point where they can't progress without Steph's work and that I owe it to her and to everyone else to act in a professional way. So. No, done. Right? Done. <laughs> she says, the reason I'm doubting my actions is that she's right. If I don't help her and work gets backed up, then either I'll have to do it myself or we'll end up waiting all of us on her to do it. And as a team, as a department, we need it to look like we've got our stuff together right now or it'll make the whole department look bad at a time when our company is hitting that they're going to be doing cutbacks. So now it's like, by not helping her out, is he leaving, or the person posting this, he or she making things so that someone could lose their job? Yeah, someone does need to lose their job. But it, it may not be her. It might be the whole, it might no, be the whole Steve department. Ne- Steve needs to get rid of her. Steve. Steve needs to step up and get rid of her and put somebody else in there. Okay. Done. Complete agreement. One final one, uh, somebody wondering if if they're the jerk. And this is someone that's wondering if they're the jerk because they will not quit their job. Am I the jerk for not quitting my job? Uh, What kind of job do you think this person does that it would be problematic? Am I the jerk for not quitting my job? They won't quit a job? Mm -hmm. Am I the jerk for not quitting my job? And uh, the job is, Darren, stripper. A stripper with, with kids. Mm-hmm. Wondering if they're being the, the jerk. Am I the jerk for refusing to quit my job? I am a 34-year-old exotic dancer at a club that's not far from my apartment. I am also a sugar baby, although I hate that term. Oh, I want to be a sugar baby. <laughs> I also have a daughter in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. She knows I work at a bar, but she's never been there. And none of my gentleman friends have ever been to my home. There weren't any problems with this until two years ago when her math teacher called me for a parent-teacher conference. The night before he called me, he came to the club where I work, and I gave one of his friends a lap dance. I thought I recognized him from somewhere. But I'd only met my daughter's teachers once before, so I didn't know where it was from. Yeah, this is all starting to add up. The teacher told me during the parent-teacher conference that I should quit my job. According to him, I was completely unfit to be a mother, and my daughter was growing up in an unsafe environment. I was stunned, especially since he'd been quite handsy with my co-worker despite being married. But I was as polite as I could be when I told him I was obviously not going to quit my job. He threatened to call Child Protective Services, and I told him, go ahead, they'll see that I'm an excellent mother. He didn't end up calling CPS in the subject drop, and I'm only posting here because I was getting lunch with a friend a few days ago, and she invited her sister who was in town, and we got on the subject of obnoxious teachers, and I told the story, since at this point I just think it's funny. My friend, who's heard it before, laughed, but the sister looked horrified, asking, quote, you're a stripper and you have a kid? So I'm wondering, am I a bad mother because of my job? I'm very involved in my girl's life, and we have a great relationship. Sounds like the jerk's the teacher, right? Well, yeah, the, the, you can't make that sort of suggestion. Having said that, yeah. being that you're, you, you might want to rethink things. 
I mean, you can't you can't tell somebody what to do. That's but, not the job of a parent-teacher yeah, conference is no. for them to <laughs> no. have comments on how you make a living. No, it's not. Right. But with uh, with things always, you know, constantly in flux mm-hmm. with kids getting older and, you know. Yeah, I guess if 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 you're this is, her daughter was in seventh grade when this happened, and it sounds like this was a, like a while ago. So, yeah, before too long, like if you were in high school and everybody found out your mom was a stripper, that would be rough. You have to consider it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's the uh, the Reddit. Am I the jerk here? Although that's not at all what they call the page. But uh, yeah, I think I think we worked this out, Darren. I think we have uh, no, no, and no, and a bonus jerk who was more of a jerk than the person who was asking the question about whether or not she she should quit her job. But maybe, well, maybe it, she yeah. should. You yeah, think? and the and the other troublemaker at work. Who's intentionally causing trouble. The being a sugar baby, I think, is a weird thing to throw in there. I'm a sugar baby. Although I hate that term. You're the one who threw it out there. Darn fine candy. <laughs> five. 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 Number five. In Norway, there is a town called Opdal. Opdal in Norway is on the map because it is the site of a bunch of Viking graves. And earlier this month, there was a story of grave robbers who ravaged a sacred Viking burial ground. I always thought Vikings gimmick was they put you on a boat and they sent you out to sea and then they set it on fire. Set it on fire, like, yeah, like, like a flaming Viking. Apparently they, hello! But they, uh, they did bury people, apparently. And they were blaming these vandals, or people who were, like, digging up Vikings. Because, you know, you have to imagine maybe there's some, like, treasure or something in it with a Viking, right? Like, if a Viking is buried with, like, a... Some valuable horns? Yeah, right? Although they didn't really wear those horns. That's just a that's just something from paintings. Vikings never wore those horns. Take that Viking fans. That was never a thing. That's See you on Monday night. That's a creation of Renaissance painters. Vikings never wore helmets with horns. That's that's a cartoon image. It's a good look though. It's a it is a good look. It's a look. boss look. Yeah, no. That, look. There's no doubt about it. These guys drilled holes into 17 of the Viking graves. Thora Nyborg is curator at a university museum there in uh, Trondheim, which is nearby uh, Opel. What's the name? Trondheim? No, no, no. Uh, Thora Nyborg is the curator of the university museum. That's... uh, that's, Thora Nyborg? Yeah, that's... That's pretty legit (laughs) right there. She said uh, many organic objects have been lost and more objects might be lost now that air has been allowed into the graves. Archaeologists said that this vandalism was disgusting and people were just very uh, unhappy, mad and then sad that these Viking graves had been vandaled, mm-hmm. vandalized in such a way. More than 800 burial grounds. This is the uh, the Vang burial site it's northern europe's largest remaining burial site from the iron age so it's a huge historically important place 
the holes, according to a, a local newspaper, uh, were, were drilled using a special drill. So these grave robbers who were robbing these dead Vikings showed a, they say here, a wicked degree of cunning. This is an isolated case except for back in 2014 when this happened before. But other than that, there had been no looting at this uh, major Viking burial ground since the 19th century. But they did some more uh, research. They did some more digging, I guess you could say, there at the uh, graveyard. And the police were able to close the case. And no charges are going to be filed. Probably the same kids that got a hold of Ted Williams. (laughs) No. First of all, Ted Williams wasn't children. Ted Williams were adults who worked at a place where you chopped off your head and had it frozen. That was somebody that just didn't like Ted Williams. They took a baseball bat to his frozen head. I thought it was a hammer. That's a better story. It turns out that they can't press charges against the culprits because the culprits are, in fact, badgers. It was badgers who were digging up these Viking graves. Badgers were using drills? Well, no. They weren't using drills, but they were using their badger wiles. Badgering ways. (laughs) Say, stop badgering me. The uh, chief of police there says, at least we now know that people weren't responsible. The badger is quite innocent and probably had no plans to rob any graves. Based on how badgers dig holes, they think that they're behind this. The way that a badger digs a hole is what it looks like happened to the to the graves. So these were these were innocent badgers. Yeah, if you're and not people looking to loot dead Vikings. If you're going to charge somebody, uh-huh. in, intent is everything. Right, and there's no way to really cuff a badger. That's not something you can do, right? We are federales, you know. The mountain police. If you're the police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. No badgers. Badgers. So, uh, I mean, I guess that's a happy ending. Yes, the Vikings got looted, but it was by the adorable Norwegian badger. Wish you'd stop badgering me about these badges. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. I didn't think it'd be like this. There it is. That was Dave and Darren's top five things. Thanks for downloading and subscribing and telling your friends about it and listening to it and leaving reviews and all that you've done for the podcast. But I, I guess the most important thing is is listening. So thanks for your time and thanks for listening. It was brought to you by Nature's Treatment of Illinois. Their goal is to fully understand their Clients needs physically, mentally, and emotionally because they know it's not easy to live with a chronic illness. They're experienced wellness consultants. They can sit down with you and discuss options to make uh, sure that things work best to make you feel more comfortable. Frequently asked questions are answered if you go to the website. That would be ntillinois.com. Here we go. Until we get a chance to do it for you again, hang loose, Coops. You stay classy and safe, Quad Cities. Come on, Quad Cities. Representing, this is for the Quad Cities reference spot. Davin Boy, yeah, we keeping it locked. Rock out, come on, and it just don't stop. East Moline, yeah, they keeping it hot. Uh. Hasta la vista, suckers. <laughs>